It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues Disney On Demand. And this week, for the week of September 1st, 2016, yes, we have finally reached September. For show number 157, we're going into the world of voice actors. We're going to go to the Animal Kingdom. We're going to battle with Earth's mightiest heroes because we have none other than Wally Winger here to the show. That's right, Wally, who you may know is the voice of Flick in Flick's musical adventure from the Disney sing-along songs in the Animal Kingdom. He's also Hank Pym, also known as Ant-Man, in Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. You know him as John Arbuckle from the Garfield Show, as well as the Riddler from the Batman Arkham Asylum games and many other places. He was also the announcer for The Tonight Show, among many other roles that I could go on and on about. And Wally's going to stop in and talk about a variety of different things. What it's like being a voice actor, The Tonight Show, his favorite memories of working with a variety of people, including being in the sound studio with Kevin McDonald on Invader Zim and many other stories, including some vintage toys. In addition, no show would be complete without the D-Team. That's right, and Paige is going to bring you some extra special music and magic in the Magical Music Review. We also have Nathan, who's putting on the white gloves and telling you just what happened this week in Disney history. We also have Cody, who's taking that stroll down the Hollywood Walk with a little bit more about our very special guest here this week, Wally Wingert. And let's not forget Caitlin, who's giving you the latest from the Walt Disney World Resort with WDW2. We have all kinds of news hot off the D-Wire from the Disney Channel, the Tower of Terror, the Disneyland Resort, the Magic Kingdom, Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party, as well as all kinds of fun things from Disney Springs and lots of things within the Disney Universe from Star Wars, Muppets, the Magic Kingdom, you name it. So before I jump into this week's show and we kick things off here, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by Mickey's Travel. And Mickey's Travel is a 100% no-fee free agency. They've been in business since 1994. They're knowledgeable, they're experts, and they're going to help you plan, book, and prepare and make that most magical vacation that you could possibly have to the Walt Disney World Resort. And just by mentioning that you heard about them here at Diz Radio, they are going to hook you up. Yes, with lanyards, autograph books, and so much more, they're going to add that magic to you just by mentioning that you heard about them here at Diz Radio. So definitely check them out, mickeystravel.com, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-Eds, with that said, if it sounds like I have tons of energy here this week, I do. I have tons and tons of energy here. So let's officially kick off show number 157 for the week of September 1st, 2016, by taking that trip to the Animal Kingdom, taking that trip into the wild adventure and all kinds of fun. Be right back, all of you D-heads. Hello? <laughs> no, that's not me. No, you have to go a little more to your right. No, no, uh, he's a little long of nose. No, no, further to your right. Further to your right. No, there you go. Oh. Now, now he's a little long of neck. <laughs> You're finding the tree. Look for the tree. Uh, no, that's not a tree. Find the tree. There you go. You found the tree. Now, down, down a little more. Now, go forward. 
Forward. Ooh, you're getting warmer. Warmer. Ooh, hotter, hotter. You're burning up. Now up and over and down. Way down. Way, way down. <laughs> Whoa, yes! <sighs> Hello there. Welcome, boys and girls, ladies and gentlebugs. Flick here. You're just in time. We're about to leave this cozy hill and head out on a wild expedition unlike anything you've ever seen. And ants usually don't brag. But lucky you, because I'm the best ant there is to guide you. Okay, I guess ants do brag a little. We'll journey from the dusty savannas of Africa to the teeming jungles and rivers of Asia and even go way back in time to the age of dinosaurs. Ew, I hope you packed your lunch. <laughs> Well, are you ready? Great! Then grab your knapsacks, because we're going on a musical safari right here in Disney's Animal Kingdom! Our first stop is Africa, the second largest continent in the world and home to more kinds of animals than anywhere on Earth. I hope you brought enough film. Hey, here comes the Wildlife Express, right on time. Ants like punctuality. Jumbo, Mickey. Hello, Minnie. Let's take a peek at our first adventurers. Hello, Jumbo. Hello, hello. Jumbo, welcome. This is Harambe, a modern-day East African village in the animal kingdom. Harambe means coming together in Swahili, one of hundreds of languages spoken in Africa. Told me there was another parade down by the bridge. Follow me. 
Hey, this is voice actor Wally Winger from the Garfield Show, John Arbuckle, hey Garfield, and also Hank Pym from Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, and the Riddler from the Batman Arkham series. You're listening to Disney On Demand. Woo, what fun! <laughs> None of us can do it alone. Together, we have a chance. We can avenge the wrongs caused by all these villains. We can be avengers. Our world's about to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. You hear that? It's the winds of change. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, so I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 157 for the week of September 1st, 2016, as we have all kinds of fun as we are gearing up for the none other than Wally Wingert stopping in here this week. Yes, from Flix Musical Adventure, Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes, John from the Garfield Show, Riddler from the Batman Video Games, as well as announcer for the Tonight Show, and even the rock and roll musician from the famed Dell commercials. And he's going to be stopping in here to talk about voice acting and so many other things. We also have the D-team here of Caitlin, Nathan, Cody, and Paige, and all kinds of news hot off the D-wire. So before I officially jump into this week's show, I do want to mention all the different ways you can stay connected here at Disney On Demand. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete archives, our latest news blogs, our Lifetime of Disney Player, and more right there on on our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio. Com. You can also connect up with us all over social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can also join the discussion on our D-Wire Disney Discussion Group page on Facebook as well. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and many other places. Just search Disney On Demand, Disney Blue, once again that's B-L-U, or Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, all of which are going to help you find our show on all these outlets. And if you just can't wait, you really can't wait, you need the magic in your ears instantly, it's really easy. All you got to do is go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and subscribe right there. It is that simple and that easy. Go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio, search Disney On Demand, Disney Blue, or DIZ Radio, subscribe and get the latest shows as they get released instantly on your mobile device, your Android, your iPhone, your iPad, your tablet, you name it, so you can listen to us right away as they get released. And remember, I tend to talk really fast, so if you can't remember everything I'm saying, definitely go to DizRadio.com, D- izradio.com and you can find all of these links there as well so all of you d-heads with that said we have lots of news on the horizon but i'm going to condense news a little bit here this week because wally has so many different things to talk about i expect a great in-depth 
fun conversation, plus more from the D team. So let's jump into it right away. And how about Halloween time at Disneyland's resort is kicking off September 9th as the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror begins its final checkout celebration. Yes, Halloween time at the Disneyland Resort is offering new reasons for guests to visit this year, including a special celebration at the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror with a chance to drop in like never before and debut the frightfully fun parade at Mickey's Halloween Party. Now, this is a separate ticket event, much like Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party at the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World in Florida. Now, the parade features some of the popular Disney villains, is a procession of grim-grinning ghosts, while the Headless Horseman of Sleepy Hollow appears for the very first time at Mickey's Halloween Party. Now, at the Walt Disney World Resort, we've had the pleasure of seeing the Headless Horseman ride again many, many times, but now it's coming to the Disneyland Resort. Now, those treats add to all kinds of thrills, fun, and so many other things, including the Haunted Mansion Holiday, the Space Mountain Ghost Galaxy attractions, as well as food, jack-o'-lanterns, all kinds of fall decorations, and more. And finally, the Twilight Zone Terror Final Checkout Celebration at the Disney California Adventure Park. Now, the invitation to check into Hollywood Tower Hotel is even more urgent now than ever before, because as we've seen all over the web, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror is approaching its final checkout date of January 2nd, 2017. Now, a special tribute is set to begin on September 9th to salute the Haunted Hotel's eerie existence before it turns into, yes, Guardians of the Galaxy attraction. Yes, I am so worried about that one, but you know what? It is fun. It is great, but I'm sad to see the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror go. Now, there's also going to be a variety of other things that are always standards, including, like I said, the Haunted Mansion Holiday Gingerbread House, Space Mountain Ghost Galaxy, Mickey's Soundstational Parade, Fantasy in the Sky, Mickey's Halloween Party, the Hellas Horseman at Sleepy Hollow, and so much more, including the Halloween Screams Fireworks Spectacular that closes out every single night. Now, it is kicking off, like I said, on September 9th, and it is going to be going all throughout September and October. So definitely get ready. It's going to be fun. The first time at Disneyland at Disneyland.com. Now, if that wasn't enough, now, if that wasn't enough, right. Now, you're going to go to the Walt Disney World Resort. And how about Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party started this week at the Magic Kingdom? Now, if you're going to the opposite end of the coast and you're going to Florida, this is the party to go to. It is my absolute favorite Disney-themed attraction, I guess, hard-ticket event. I love it more than the Christmas celebrations and more. Come on, you know we love our Halloween celebrations here at Disney On Demand. Just look at all of our past shows as we do our month-long Not-So-Scary Halloween celebrations, which are coming again this coming October. So I am excited for that, but the Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party kicked off this week at the Magic Kingdom with all kinds of fun, including parades, the head horsemen, all the fun festivities, and of course my favorite, the newest Hocus Pocus Sanderson Sisters stage show that takes place as well. So I am super psyched for that, and it is kicking off this week at the Magic Kingdom at the Walt Disney World Resort. Now since we were talking about Halloween, that brings us into October. And how about Disney's The Lodge, an all-new music mystery drama, is coming to the Disney Channel this October. Now, the Disney's The Lodge TV series is coming to Disney Channel in September and October. And in the United States, the first season of The Lodge premieres on Monday, October 17th at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, this is a music-filled mystery drama series, which is filmed in Northern Ireland. Now, The Lodge stars a variety of great new and upcoming uh, singers and actors and actresses who have great singing voices. Now, 
out, each episode is jam-packed with a ton of music. All original songs, making it fun and interactive. But the thing that makes it fun is it is a mystery drama series. Think of, you know, every time there is something new going on. Think Scooby-Doo or the Mystery Inc. and trying to go in there and solve all of these. Now, it is coming from Ireland, and the first season is going to debut here in the U.S. finally. Disney's The Lodge, the music mystery drama, kicking off on Monday, October 17th, 2016. Now, since we are talking about the Disney Channel, let's go to Disney XD, a great station that I love as well, and our guest next week knows a lot about Disney XD. Well, even our guest this week, Wally Wingert, knows a lot about being on Disney XD as well. But now, Mech X4 is renewed for a second season by Disney XD before season one even premiered. Now, the first season is going to debut in two episodes that's going to be simulcast on Saturday, November 12th on the Disney Channel and Disney XD. Now, beginning Friday, October 28th, a preview episode will debut on multiple platforms, including the Disney XD app, the Disney XD video on demand, the YouTube channel, and more. Now, the second season of Mech X4 is beginning later this month for filming and creating. Now, the Mech X4 is all about a freshman at Bay City High, who discovers he is a technopath, which is extraordinary abilities to control technology with his mind. Now, his superpower mysteriously awakens a 150-foot-tall robot known as Mech X4, and that's M-E-C-H-X4, and Ryan can command its every move. Now, when another monster suddenly begins to attack Bay City High, Ryan recruits his two best friends and older brother to help him operate the robot's high-tech defense system while he pilots the Mech X-4. Kind of sounds a lot like Voltron. But this team of unlikely heroes must quickly learn to work together under circumstances in order to save their school and the world from mass destruction. Now, it is starring a lot of great people, including Raymond Cham from Team Beach 2 as Ryan's older brother, Mark, and many other people, including Cameron Lucas from Girl Meets World, and also Pierce Joza from Lab Rats as Ryan's friend. Now, the creative vision for the series has been clear from the get-go, and they had said, we are excited to launch this new genre of action, epic, adventure storytelling that is going to be great and fun for the cool kids to talk about at school. Now, the original programming for Disney Channel said before it even kicks off for season one, they are so excited for this series that season two is already renewed and ready to run. That tells you that something is going to be great and on the cusp of greatness. Now, one last thing here, I guess, before we move on from Disney Channel news, and how about Disney Channel acquiring an animated series with Polly and the Zuzu Pets? Yes, some of you may know with uh, a lot of the younger D-heads out there and little D-heads out there, Polly and the Zuzu Pets is coming to Disney Channel. Now, Deadline officially reported this early this week, and the network has acquired the rights to the animated series of Nelvana. Now, based on the toy brand, the children's show follows the adventures of Polly and her pet friends in Pip School. Num Nums, Chuck, and Mr. Squiggles. Now, Polly and the Zuzu Pets is set to debut on the Disney Channel on September 12th. Now, the toy series is coming to the Disney Channel for all of you young D-heads out there. Now, moving away from that, let's go into a galaxy far, far away. Yes, and you know where I'm going with that every single time. And how about Star Wars? And Star Wars super fans are going rogue to review a new toy line in the glorious stop-motion animation. Now, a team of Star Wars super fans revealed this week that a new toy line for Rogue One, a Star Wars story, is set to debut, and they're going to announce the toys in all new fan-made animated shorts, launching on Star Wars YouTube channel this week. It is hilarious. We do have the links posted on DizRadio.com. Definitely check it out. Now, as the Rogue One 
Now, as Jimmy Pitaro, chairman and president of the Disney Consumer Products and Interactive Media has said, these fan-created shorts are a tribute to the incredible content that the Star Wars community posts online every single day. Now, the all-new fan-created short showcasing the new Rogue One toys for the first time has a variety of different toys that are part of this. It is hilarious. They have everything from the pop vinyls to the bobbleheads, the action figures, the Legos, you name it, and they are fun. And this is part one in a series of them. Now, the fans can pre-order a handful of the items already from Rogue Stories beginning September 2nd at many mass retailers, the Disney Store locations, and at DisneyStore.com. But if you haven't had a chance to check this out, definitely check it out at Disney dot com slash my rogue story you can also hashtag at hashtag go rogue to find out more now the global contest which officially kicks off on september 30th invites fans to share their own short stories or skits set in a galaxy far far away now winning entries from around the globe will be chosen at a panel including rogue one a star wars story director gareth edwards beginning september 30th now teen and adult fans can enter at go rogue like i said at star wars.com slash go rogue and many other places now this is going to be fun, it's going to be great, and as they have officially released, the co-founder of Tango, which is the one helming many of these, they said it has been amazing to see what inspiration Star Wars fans have done over the years as part of a creative community. Whether it's coming up with their own Star Wars storylines or playing out scenes with toys at home with their kids, we are excited to share this first rogue story with the world and hope it has fans and memories for years to come. And finally, all of you D-heads, I guess it's just a lot of TV news here this week, not so much at the parks, but how about Marvel developing a new Warriors TV series featuring Squirrel Girl? Yes, Marvel TV shows have suffered a few setbacks in the past season with Agent Carter failing to get renewed for the third season. No matter how much fans really loved it, apparently there's just not enough viewership even out of those fans. But there's also Marvel's Most Wanted did not get picked up, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is moving to its fourth season this fall, but it's really hard to continue that lineup. But now, according to new reports and a variety of different news sources online, the studio will now move forward with a new series about the new Warriors, featuring Squirrel Girl. Now, TV Line was the first to report the news here this week, and according to the site, ABC and Marvel are now in the process of shopping the new Warriors in hopes to get a distributor with air dates for the series. Now, it's pretty interesting to see that Disney would not want to air this on the Disney Channel or Disney XD or even Freeform, but instead, they are going ahead and trying to find it in other places, including Netflix, and a variety of other TV channels. I think what they're trying to do is, instead of honing it in on their own, they want to broaden the horizon, make it bigger. Now, the show is being described as the junior version of the Avengers, and it shouldn't be confused with the Young Avengers, which featured numerous characters who typically have connections to established members of the Marvel Universe. Now, in the comics, the variety of uh, roster and young people involved with this have continued to change and grow over a variety of different time, but Squirrel Girl is always one that everybody loves. She's a fan favorite that's at a variety of different cosplay events, as well as Comic-Cons and conventions. It will be different to see if this actually gets picked up. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I am keeping news relatively short here this week. Like I said, I want to keep it short. We have a lot of fun things on the horizon as we have Wally Winger from Alice Through the Looking Glass, as well as Flick in the Disney sing-along songs, Musical Adventure at Animal Kingdom, and so many other things. We have more coming from the D-team as we have Caitlin with the latest from the Walt Disney World Resort with WDW and 2. We have Nathan who's putting on the gloves and telling you just what happened this week in Disney history. We have Cody putting his hands in his pockets and taking that 
stroll down this week's Hollywood Walk with more about Wally Winger, our very special guest here this week. And let's not forget Paige with some music for your ears and a magical music review. So before I release the reins here to the D-Team and I get that much closer to having Wally here on the show to talk toys, voices, and all kinds of fun, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by Mickey's Travel. And Mickey's Travel is a 100% no-fee-free agency. They can help you plan, book, and prepare and make the most magical vacation that you could possibly have. From dining reservations, tickets, and more, they're going to make it magical for your family, your friends, and really make the magic and memories happen and make it seamless and easy. They've been in business since 1994. They're award-winning and experts, and they're going to help you absolutely free. And just by mentioning that you heard about them here at Diz Radio, they are going to hook you up. Yes, from lanyards and autograph books, they're going to add that touch of magic just by mentioning that you heard about them here at Diz Radio. So definitely check them out. Mickey'sTravel.com, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you dads, with that out of the way, it's time to press on with show number 157 for the week of September 1st, 2016. And the next time you hear me, I'm going to have Wally Winger here in the wings. In the gnome-mobile, the gnome-mobile, we're rolling along in the gnome-mobile. Oh, what a wonderful way to feel, rolling along in the gnome-mobile. In years to come, I can guarantee a dozen grandchildren at your knee. And every one of them proud to claim Maruni is me middle name. In the gnome-mobile, the gnome-mobile, we're rolling along in the gnome-mobile. Oh, what a wonderful way to feel, rolling along in the gnome-mobile. In the gnome-mobile, the gnome-mobile, we're rolling along in the gnome-mobile. Oh, what a wonderful way to feel, rolling along in the gnome-mobile. which might benefit from your attention. Friends cannot be neglected.
Greetings from your old voice actor pal, Corey Burton. <laughs> and you're listening to Disney On Demand. Hi again, D-Heads. Welcome to another installment of This Week in Disney History. I'm Nathan, and ready to take you through another segment's worth of historical Disney facts and potential trivia. So with that said, let's begin. Kicking off this week, let's begin with this week's quote coming from our Uncle Walt himself. There's really no secret about our approach. We keep moving forward, opening up new doors and doing new things, because we're curious. And curiosity keeps leading us down new paths. We're always exploring and experimenting. At WED, we call it Imagineering, the blending of creative imagination with technical know-how. Now it's Diz Radio throwback time for this week in Diz Radio history with show number 84 from September of 2014 for all you oncers out there. Featuring Raphael Sabarge as everyone's conscious, Jiminy Cricket. Teleport back with us today, dearies, and check it out. Now, starting out this week in Disney history, we're going to go to 1936, when the first comic strip entirely devoted to Donald Duck debuts in newspapers. Prior to this, Donald only appeared in the Silly Symphony's Sunday pages. In 1964, Disney's Mary Poppins, starring Julie Andrews, Dick Van Dyke, David Tomlinson, and Glynis Johns is generally released. In 1982, at Disneyland, Peter Pan's flight closes for extensive remodeling, and it will reopen in May of 1983. In 1989, at Disney MGM Studios, Jim Henson, who is making a special appearance to announce his pending partnership with the Walt Disney Company, and Kermit the Frog both leave their imprints and signatures on the courtyard of the Great Movie Ride. In 1990, Disney's Hollywood Records released the debut album from a new pop group called The Party. The group consists of Albert Fields, Tiffany Hale, Chase Hampton, Dee Dee Magno, and Damon Pampolina. All cast members of Disney Channel's are the all-new Mickey Mouse Club. The name The Party is an acronym for Positive Attitude Reflecting Today's Youth. Also, if you look back on our podcast archives at DizRadio.com and look up show number 44, it has an interview with the party. In 1994, the Art of Disney shop opens in the Disney Village Marketplace at Walt Disney World. In 1997, Disney's newest animated series, Recess, first premieres on ABC TV as a sneak preview. It will officially debut on September 13th as part of ABC's One Saturday Morning programming block. In 1998, the syndicated TV series Disney's Hercules, which explores Herc's high school years, premieres with the episode Hercules and the Apollo Mission. In 2000, Walt Disney Records releases Woody's Roundup, performed by the Yodeling Cowboy group Riders in the Sky, an imaginary soundtrack to a fictional TV show. The 13 tracks included in it include Jesse the Yodeling Cowgirl and the hit You've Got a Friend in Me. In 2003, a test run of the Magic Kingdom's newest attraction, Mickey's Filler Magic, took place at Walt Disney World, and the attraction will have its official grand debut on October 8th. In 2009, the Walt Disney Company announces it is buying Marvel Entertainment for $4 billion. In 2011, at approximately 6.30 a.m. Hawaii time, the doors to the Maka'ala Lobby of Aulani, a Disney resort and spa, open and the first guests enter officially. In 2014, Disney's American Idol Experience wraps up its roughly five-year run with a final show at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And we're going to end Disney history, D-Heads, with a few birthdays around the Disney company. 
We're starting out the birthdays this week with Army Hammer, being born in L.A., who played the Lone Ranger himself in 2013's The Lone Ranger. Fred McMurray, of many Disney classic films, is born in Kankakee, Illinois. Buddy Hackett, who played Tennessee Steinmetz in The Love Bug and Scuttle the Seagull in the Little Mermaid series, is born. James Coburn, the voice of Monsters, Inc. boss Henry J. Waternoose, is born. D. Bradley Baker, who voiced Perry the Platypus in Phineas and Ferb. And we end the birthdays this week with Edgar Rice Burroughs, the creator of Tarzan, being born in Chicago, Illinois. Well, D-Heads, that's all again for this week in Disney history. Hope you enjoyed and learned something new maybe you didn't know. Feel free to email me at Nathan at DizRadio.com. I'd love to hear from you, get some feedback, send some replies. As always, guys, have a great week and see you real soon. The grand prize was... Cooper and their dealings with... Stressed envelope to... Davis and Kurt... Right down that... Hey, now there's a handsome zebra. No two zebras have the same pattern, so it's easy to tell them apart. Hey, where'd he go? Just look at that ostrich. To give you an idea of how big the bird is, it's the largest in the world at about 9 feet and 350 pounds. Just one ostrich egg is equal to 24 chicken eggs. And this guy represents us. I mean you, the, the human explorer. You're an animal too, you know. Well, I guess we should be rolling on. Oh, <laughs> he beat us to it. We're on the Pangani Trail now. And it's a real jungle out there! I mean, it's a real jungle out there. Oh my, look at those gorillas. They look kind of scary, but they're really gentle. Sometimes they wear big leaves on their heads like hats. And our cousin the orangutan likes to dress up too. Let's take a close
think it's ridiculous that me, a gigantopithecus, would ever dream I'd like to team with the likes of human cub. But together we'd have powers, all the jungle's treasures ours. I got desire, you got the fire, but the dream I dream takes too. So, ooh, I wanna be like you. Ooh, I wanna use that flame just the same as you can do. Oh, how magnificent it would be! A gigantopithecus like me could learn to do like you humans do. Can learn to be like someone like you. Can learn to be like someone like me. We get the tricks, you get the treats. Tune in all October for our annual not so scary Halloween celebration. Let Jonathan and the D-Team lead you into your doom buggy with Halloween guests, spooky tunes, and Halloween fun. Only on DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. Happy Halloween, everyone. Serpents and spiders, <laughs> tail of a rat, call in the spirits wherever they're at. Hi there, it's Caitlin here with WDWN2, a quick rundown of what's happening in the parks. Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party is gearing up to start at the Magic Kingdom this month, and if you haven't been to this special ticket event, I seriously recommend it. Not only can you trick-or-treat through the park, but there's also a special parade, a hocus-pocus show, and so much more. Oh, and if you're a fan of the Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom, be sure to pick up the special event-exclusive card featuring Clawhauser from Zootopia. The Castle Stage Show Mickey's Royal Friendship Fair is getting a brand new fall-themed finale beginning this weekend to help kick off the fall season. They'll debut an all-new song celebrating autumn, as well as new choreography, costumes, and decorations. I know I can't wait to see it. Be on the lookout for the new merchandise that's Halloween-themed, too. Some of my favorite pieces have a 1950s horror sci-fi movie poster design featuring Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Goofy, and more. If you love Disney dining and cooking for yourself, there's a brand new cookbook to look for on your next trip. It's called Delicious Disney Sweet Treats, and it features 40 recipes of desserts from the parks, including Mom's favorite chocolate peanut butter layer cake from the Primetime Cafe, which sounds amazing. And if you haven't stopped by the new Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique at Disney Springs, you'll want to make sure to make your reservations. I've heard that it's five times the size of the old Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique that was in the World of Disney Store. So make sure to get your little girlies in there for their Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique makeovers. Thanks for listening, and until next time, don't forget, you can fly. Animal Kingdom Control, we read you loud and clear. Please proceed with broadcast. Hiya, pals! Mickey Mouse here. Just wanted to give you an update on our position. If my calculations are correct, me and the gang ought to be at the Animal Kingdom real soon. So get ready for a wild adventure! 
because our German jungle expedition is coming to town. <laughs> Fellow adventurers, please prepare accordingly. Over and up. Many people. That's swell. I hope they're ready for a wild adventure. Well, let's get this show on the road. <laughs> We're on our way, my friends. Our journey has begun. I am you, and you are me. We walk down the street, and we swing from a tree. We all belong, and we all got to see. We're just one great big family. Here we go now. the party. Yeah. I said, are you ready for the party? Yeah. <laughs> then let us go. So sing it out. And bark and growl and screech and go. And dance along. And stop and jump and beat the soul. Join the adventure. The party's begun. We're jamming in the jungle to the rhythm of one. Mickey to a Vicky. many people. That's swell. The rest of the gang's right behind you and all ready for adventure. So let's hit the trail. <laughs> We're on our way, my friends. Our journey has begun. I am you and you are me. We run through the field and we swim in the sea. From land to land, we almost agree. We're just one great big family. Here we go now. For the party, yeah. I said, Are you ready for the party? Yeah. <laughs> then let us go. So sing it out. And bark and and screech and go. And dance along. And stop and jump and beat the song. Join the adventure. The party's begun. We're jamming in the jungle to the rhythm of one. Mickey to a Vicky. many people. That's swell. I hope they're ready for a wild adventure. Well, let's get this show on the road. <laughs> We're on our way, my friends. Our journey has begun. This is Robert Guillaume, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. Places, everybody. This is a tape. What is that?
Let's start those projectors and look at this week's Hollywood Walk. Hey everybody, it's Cody here getting ready to bring you another installment of this week's Hollywood Walk. And this week we have the legendary Wally Winger joining us today. Very excited. He has been a part of too many things. It almost seems like that I'm going to try and get through. I will not be getting through all of them, but I can tell you right off the bat, you have probably most recently seen him in Alice Through the Looking Glass as Humpty. So let's dive in a little deeper and see what else we can find out about Wally. He was born in Des Moines, Iowa, May 6th, 1961 but reared in the Great Plains of South Dakota, where he developed a love for performing at an early age. And from elementary school throughout high school, he kept busy with his writing, perfecting his impersonations, and developing quite the repertoire of characters and voices. And obviously, in doing so, became quite the regular in school plays, as he was also perfecting his talents as a puppeteer. And at the age of 16, he could enter the only field that the Midwestern surroundings could offer, and that was DJing on the radio. And while he enjoyed what he was doing. Unfortunately, in South Dakota, making a decent living from performing was a virtual impossibility back then. So in 1987, he moved to Los Angeles, California. And during his days in radio, he submitted a string of parody songs to the syndicated Dr. Demento show, and it would pay off because through the help of the good doctor himself, Wally was hired at Westwood One Radio Network. On weekends, he also worked at a jazz station called 94.7 The Wave. And in 1989, when Batmania swept the nation, it was the hugest rave when Michael Keaton was to be cast as the new Batman for the feature film. Wally wasn't a huge fan. He was a huge Adam West fan, so he actually made a parody called Adam West. And it was a parody of the number one dance song at the time called Wild Wild West. That song immediately went to number one on the Dr. Demento show and was in demand by radio stations all over the world. Wally and his, in quotations, protest song were featured on a segment of A Current Affair and in a Rolling Stone article. 1989, he kept busy as well as he would leave Westwood One to take a full-time position as air personality at The Wave. After five years, he would leave the station to pursue aspirations in acting, singing, and the field of voiceover. His puppeteering experience would eventually land him an episodic role on CBS TV's Murphy Brown in the middle of 1993. His performance as Kelbo was one of the most seen Murphy Brown clips ever. All that time studying the Muppets characteristics movements and voices during his childhood resulted in him landing a much coveted Screen Actors Guild Union card. He was hired by Universal Studios in 1994 the very next year to portray Beetlejuice in the live stage show Beetlejuice's Graveyard Review, a job he would continue to do for about four years. And after about such time, he would get voice work in such films as Batman and Robin and TV shows such as The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, animated TV shows as Angry Beavers, and and it just keeps going and going and he is considered one of the top talents in the voiceover industry and looking at his resume that he has it's not hard to see that that is 100% in fact true. Since then he's appeared on shows like Family Guy, King of the Hill, The Simpsons, Invader Zim, The Garfield Show, The Avengers series animation and of course Bleach, Tiger and Bunny, Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed, Astro Boy, Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, Rugrats, Transformers, many many 
other TV shows and of course video games. Some of them would include the biggest one he's probably known for is his role as the Riddler in the Batman Arkham series. He's also been a part of Final Fantasy games. He's been in Madagascar. Kart's been in many video games. Armored Core 4 it looks like here. Yes. And his on-camera TV appearances include shows such as Just Shoot Me. I remember watching that a few years ago kind of going through high school and everything. I love that show. The Martin Short Show. Vicky. And he also made an appearance on NBC TV's Saved by the Bell The New Class. I never really got into that. I was more a fan of the original of course. But that's kind of neat that he was in there. Also the Bogus Witch Project, Crime and Passion and more and more. It just keeps going. I mean I could have a whole show this week by myself. (laughs) I mean there's so much that we could talk about Wally here. Wally actually has his own company called Four Eyes Productions and has developed several live action TV projects with producer Ken Dennis who used to be the producer of Family Guy. They include Uncle Daver's really scary movie show, a horror movie equivalent of Mystery Science Theater 3000. In the beginning of 2000 he started a three-year engagement as the voice of PAX TV, a family-friendly TV network, and in 2009 during the fall he was hired as the show voice for the experimental Jay and Leno show that was seen five nights a week on NBC when Leno was placed back in control of The Tonight Show in the spring of 2010 he went along with them and became only the seventh full-time voice of The Tonight Show in the show's long history and to this day he's the only Tonight Show voice to perform the job exclusively in a voiceover capacity and let's of course not forget his most recent project in Alice Through the Looking Glass that just came out this year as Humpty so if you've seen it and you loved it kind of go back and look and find Humpty and if you can't quite picture who Wally Wingard is because again he is a voice actor so probably you're not used to seeing him but it is great he did a phenomenal performance as Humpty it was a lot of fun to watch Wally's hobbies would include collecting animation art and autographs drawing costuming collectibles toys and he's actually got a YouTube channel dedicated to this you can search it up if you type in Wally Wingert's Wallywood so that's Wally Wingert and then W-A-L-L-Y-W-O-O-D he's got a whole kind of YouTube channel specifically for all the neat stuff that he collects and he loves to show off and a lot of them actually all of them have quite the nice story to kind of go to go with them it's very very neat his first one he's got he talks about his Iron Man statue bust that he has he's got two of them he's got the the more modern one the more recent one you know the Tony Stark one with Robert Downey Jr. and he's also got like the original from when he was a kid growing up he's got that one which he can is like a real life helmet that you can actually wear so it's kind of neat to hear him kind of go through that what he loves and uh, is excited to show it's really neat when he's not busy doing voiceover work or acting or collecting the coolest stuff on the planet basically he's active in numerous amounts of charities including the first Christian Church of North Hollywood Christian Broadcast Network the Los Angeles Mission the Union Rescue Mission San Fernando Valley Rescue Mission the AIDS Project Ronald McDonald House Special Olympics Feed the Children and again the list goes on and on so he's very involved with things that are going on around the world that's very respectable of him and it's wonderful that he gives back as much as he does so there you have it D heads that's going to do it for me on Wally Wingert this week it's exciting to hear what he has to say and what he's done throughout his life to kind of get to this point and I'm sure he is nowhere close to being done I'm sure we're going to see Wally more and more as the years progress so get ready D heads and Wally's coming up with Jonathan right after this have a great one
Lights, camera, action. It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues Disney On Demand. And as we continue to bring you the magic and memories from the lifetime of Disney every single week here at the show, many times those are people that are on the small screen, on the big screen, in video games, and yet you only know their voices. And with us here this week is somebody that is no stranger to many of the things you love. Whether you're a gamer, you love television shows, you love animated shows, you name it, we have Wally Wingard here. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Hey, Jonathan. Thanks for having me, man. It is our pleasure having you on. I mean, your resume continues to impress. Everything from Garfield to even being Flick in the Disney sing-along songs, Disney Infinity. I mean, the list goes on and on. Invader Zim. I mean, I could just... I could just keep going on. I guess the first thing, though, that I want to jump into is how did you become a voice actor? Uh, I started uh, as a radio DJ. Well, I, I always did voices when I was when I was a kid. I do impressions and impersonations and characterizations of uh, the voices that I heard on television. And uh, I, you know, became a radio DJ when I was about 16 years old. So I started using a lot of my character voices and impersonations on my radio show. And when I moved out to Los Angeles in about 1987, I moved out here to be an actor. And pretty quickly lost interest in any on-camera acting work, uh, just because it was really boring. And I said, wow, the, with the cartoons and voiceover, that's, that's kind of what I really want to do, because I've always loved cartoons. I draw cartoons. I used to watch cartoons religiously. I'm a cartoon historian. And I said, that's, that's really kind of where I see myself fitting in. So I could still be an actor, but as opposed to just doing one character, you know, all day for a full season of television shows, like, you know, Fonzie or, or, Walter White or whatever, I get to be three or four characters every day. I could be an old man or a squirrel or a teenage uh, kid or a, you know, a, a teapot. You know, it's pretty cool. So it's a, it's a far more magical world than just, you know, doing on-camera stuff. Well, you know, and you got to face it, it's probably a lot better, too, because you can just roll into the office in some PJs, some shorts, and just really, you know, relax without having to worry about getting makeup on. Uh, that's true. You don't have to worry about costume. You don't have to worry about, you know, if you have a couple uh, extra french fries, you don't have to worry about your waistline uh, bulging out so much. You just have to really, really, really be mindful of taking care of your voice because that's what it's all about. Definitely. You know, and with that, too, you know, being a voice actor, you've done so many different things, you know, some intense, some fun, some comical. I mean, even down to being John Arbuckle in the Garfield series as well, I guess. What is it like, you know, portraying somebody like that where everybody loves Garfield from the comic strips to the 80s television show? And then now what you're doing as well as John, I guess. What is it like knowing that you're part of this classic, iconic animated series well i have uh i've been very blessed in that i've been able to be involved in a lot of uh, the major franchises that the world kind of knows and loves anything from care bears to transformers to uh you know batman to marvel comics superheroes and villains and you know of course john arbuckle in the garfield series and i i particularly love john because his voice is probably closest to mine of any of the characters that i've done simply because his the musicality in his voice is the way I talk to my own cat and dog. You know how that you put a certain musicality in your voice if you want to get your dog to pay attention to you. You know, make it real sing-songy. Hi, how's it going? Hey, who's a beautiful cat? Oh, you're a beautiful cat, aren't you? So it's just that it's that kind of 
sing-song equality. That kind of adds to his dorkiness, too, which is kind of funny. Like, this poor guy just sits around with, with his cat and his dog all day just doing nothing but drawing cartoons, and he, he is kind of a lovable dork, so that kind of that kind of plays into that. <laughs> you know, and with that, too, you know, playing some of these characters that bring things to life, one of those is bringing Flick to life in the, uh, I guess, going way back to the Disney sing-along songs and bringing this character to life that... Everybody loves A Bug's Life. Everyone's waiting for a sequel to come out. What was it like, you know, you tackling it for the sing-along songs? Uh, it was great because uh, that was one of the first things I ever did, and I, I got to be a Disney character. Actually, it was weird because I laid down all of the tracks as, like, oh, it's perfect, Princess Hattie, it's perfect, don't you see? We get bigger bikes to come here and fight. And they liked the fact that I could do the Dave Foley crack in the voice when my voice got really high because he, had, he would have that crack in his voice. <laughs> That was a part of his personality. and But Dave Foley doesn't sing. He doesn't like to sing. So uh, they said, well, we want to have Flick sing in this, so we, we have to get a voice double who can do him and then also do the, the singing. So I actually worked with Dave about a year ago on Hot in Cleveland. And uh, I said, uh, he says, hi, I'm Dave. I said, yeah, I know. Uh, I worked with uh, Kevin, uh, you know, from Kids in the Hall, on Invader Zim for many years, Kevin McDonald. He's like, oh, yeah, it would take you all the time to him. He thought it was really funny. He's like, really? I said, yeah, because I was, uh, I'm your singing voice uh, of, of Flick when uh, when Disney has some sort of Flick uh, song to sing. He said, I said, why, why don't you why don't you want to sing? And he said, well, it's not really a case of me not wanting to. It's a case of Disney not wanting him to. <laughs> I'm taking it. He's probably not a great singer. But it's just really funny. So he was, uh, he and I just, you know, chatted for a while on the set. It was really funny. What a cool guy. And uh, we were in Betty White's dressing room doing the read-through just before we taped the episode. And um, Billy Billy Baldwin was there. He's talking about uh, you know, me being the Riddler or something. And he said, how do I get into voiceover? I want to do more of that. And Betty White had told her that I was the voice of the Tonight Show you know, for four years and, and was in introducing me to the rest of the, like Valerie Bertinelli and the other girls. She said, he was he was Jay Leno's announcer for four years. And then Billy Baldwin goes, yeah, he's the voice of the Riddler in the Batman Arkham games. And Dave Foley <laughs> goes, and he's my singing voice. <laughs> like not to be left out. It was really funny. I'll never forget that. <laughs> well, you know, and it's things like that too, that now you're, you know, you look back and it's like, those are the kind of stories that are going to make it into your memoirs and into your book, you know, where everybody is there and they want to raise their hand of where they know you, where you've been a part of their lives. And everyone from Betty White, you know, all the way through to, you know, like you said, being the Riddler even. You know, everybody has something that they know you for and love you for. And I guess with that, I might as well jump into superheroes. And being the Riddler, you're no stranger to superheroes with, you know, the Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, as well as the DC Super Friends. I guess, are superheroes a little bit different to tackle? Because they seem to be a little more, I guess... They're fun, they're outgoing, yet they have to be stern and wholesome. Is I guess, what does it take to tackle you know, a superhero like Hank Pym you know, as Ant-Man and things like that? Well, uh, every superhero kind of is different. Uh, you know, I've done Green Lantern. He's kind of a swaggery kind of, yeah, if I get around to it, that's fine, I'll do it. <laughs> but if not, he's, he's kind of got that swagger. But Tim is like real precise and real, you know, almost kind of like a bleeding heart. Oh no, we, Tony, we we can't put these people in jail. We've got to rehabilitate them. You know, that's what that's really all about. And you know, he's he's one of those softies. You know, until he has the personality change and turns into a yellow jacket, and then he wants to just beat everything up. You know, which is great. I thought of when I first got the role of Ant Man, I thought, well, this of all the Avengers, he has the coolest character arc because. You know, the Hulk is the Hulk, and Iron Man's Iron Man, and 
you know, Captain America's Captain America, and they're all, like, pretty, you know, pretty even keel. But Tim goes all over the place. He's this, you know, softy, and then he doesn't really want to fight crime, but he has this ability that he's through this scientific experiment, and then he, you know, decides to quit, and then he decides to fake his death, and then he comes back as this really, you know, mean guy who enjoys kind of kicking kicking butt. And uh, it's like, wow, he has a really great character arc. He is thought this is going to be really fun. Well, you know, and right, like you said, you know, Hank Pym, he is all over the place when it comes to, you know, the Marvel Universe. I mean, especially because of all the different roles, not just, uh, you know, the highs and lows of his internal struggles and personality, but also, come on, really, he's like four different superheroes from Giant Man to Ant-Man to switching all over the place. So it really does. Yeah, Goliath, Yellow Jack, yeah, he's been all over the place. They didn't do the Goliath storyline in the uh, TV series, but they did do Giant Man. Yellow Jacket and Ant-Man, which I thought was pretty cool. Definitely, you know, and with that too. Now, it's not just Marvel for you because you go on the flip side, and you're, you know, you're an agent for both forces. Being Green Lantern in the DC universe, uh, I guess when it comes to superheroes, if you can say, are you a Marvel or a DC guy? Well, I started off when I was age five watching the Batman TV series. Uh, but as I got older into my, you know, like 12, 13, 14, I had a really good friend named John Horning, and may he rest in peace. He passed away several years ago. Um, he had the thing that John Ritter had where his heart just kind of bled out, and he just one night, he was like, I don't feel so well. And then, you know, by the end of the night, he passed away. But he and I were, were comic book buddies, and I, I swore by the DC universe, and he swore by the Marvel universe, but he kind of opened my eyes to a lot of the Marvel stuff, so... You know, when I got cast as an Avenger, you know, as Ant-Man, I just said, hey, John, I'm an Avenger, pretty cool. So it's uh, it's pretty great. It's You know, it's it's, a, it's really a hard one because their their heroes are so different. It, it seems like a lot of the DC superheroes have kind of powers from another world, you know, like the Superman, Green Lantern. It's, it's kind of these Wonder Woman. It's, it's this whole other existence, and they're these kind of supernatural beings. But the Marvel Universe is more like people who have dabbled with science, like Spider-Man and Iron Man and Hulk. And they're, they're just real people who have dabbled with science and Tim and found these amazing things that they could do scientifically to help fight crime. So not, not so much from another planet, even though you do have those, those crossovers, but the majority of the, the hot you know, Marvel characters, Wolverine, are all kind of scientific experiments, while the DC heroes a lot of those guys come from other planets and stuff so it's a kind of a apples and oranges kind of thing i think well you know and and in the in between all that you get to be a villain you know like with uh, you know being the riddler and batman uh you know arkham underworld and uh gotham city stories what is it like bringing the riddler to life because he is an iconic classic character that everybody loves i mean i'm I'm a big Riddler fan, so I think it's just fantastic. I guess, uh, what is your take of the Riddler? How, how do you, I guess, how do you get in the right mind frame to say, all right, I'm going to pull off this guy because he has to be crazy, psychotic, yet very, very, you know, smart. You just have to spend about 20 minutes driving in L.A. traffic. <laughs> That'll get you in the right mindset because you realize how stupid people are and how smart you are. And why, why are they doing that? Oh, man, I'm so much smarter than that guy. I would have never done that. You know, I would have never. Like today, I'm sitting at lunch with my assistant, Sarah, and we're watching some guy just right in the middle of the street. Just he decides he wants to take a U-turn right in the middle of the street. So he's hanging up traffic just because 
he wants to take a U-turn and the rest of the world has to stop behind him, as opposed to, you know, pulling over, waiting for the traffic to subside, or maybe at least going to an intersection and pulling a U-turn and going the other way. But no, he'd rather hold up five, six, seven cars. People are honking. And I'm like, you know what? People are so stupid. And I just have been saying that all day because I've just been watching people on the road. It's just crazy things. So once you get into the studio, you're really into that mindset of like, oh, you... You pea-brained imbecile, how dare you try to match wits with me? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so that's, uh, that helps a great deal. But, yeah, they just wanted something completely different. And, you know, for the Riddler, of course, for video games, the Riddler is the perfect uh, villain to have for video games because what does he do? Riddles and games. That's kind of what he likes. It plays right into his character. So they wanted something completely opposite of what the Joker was, and they didn't really know what they wanted, but they said, well... This is for the very first Arkham Asylum game. They said, we want him kind of like maybe a game show host or something, kind of, you know, goading Batman to go through all of these traps and all these uh, puzzles that he has to go through and picking up these trophies. So I uh, said, I, th- I think I know who this guy is. Uh, I, I combined a couple of different uh, voices into a hybrid. Um, one of the voices was an old uh, uh, director that I used to work with at a community theater in South Dakota who loved to chew on his words and loved to hear himself talk, and he was just so self-important and thought that every word he said was just gold. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's this guy. So then I added in a, the that with the frivolity of an actor named Michael Dunn, who was Dr. Loveless on the old Wild Wild West show that had the most glorious way of speaking and saying all these terrible things that he was going to do to James West, but with, just with such delight and glee in his voice. I said, that's a great, that's a great element, too. So kind of combined those two and uh, came up with uh, Mr. Nigma there. Well, you know, and with that, too, you know, I mean, you portray the character so well. I mean, everybody loves it. And, you know, with all these characters that you've played, I mean, so many different characters, like I said, I mean, all over the board. And, you know, like even, like I said, you know, Flick in the sing-along songs, I'm a father of four, and that DVD still gets played to this day. So, oh, wow. <laughs> It was so, it was funny know, because I I watched that every once in a while. I'm like, you know, my flick really improved a lot. So I did. I just wish that I could have done that a couple of years later than when I did it because my my flick did get much better. But it, I also got to be you know Cubby and um, uh, Kingdom Hearts and a, a couple other uh, side projects uh, related to the whole Peter Pan thing. Uh, I had originally done the voice tracks for Cubby for Return to Neverland. And then they decided to actually cast a real kid as opposed to having a guy who was, you know, in his 40s along with these other 12-year-old kids. So I could kind of see their point. But uh, they did leave me on the soundtrack, so I still get residuals. So thank you, Disney. But, um, yeah, between that, I was also in a, in a storybook. I was Bambi's father. And so I've, I've got to do three or four uh, characters for Disney now, uh, including um, a game which I really, really liked. Uh, that was kind of interactive, and I, I'm spacing on the name right now, but I was the uh, the main voice of it, the MC, the guy who would ask all the questions, and uh, that was that was a lot of fun. We did probably three weeks worth of sessions for that. Um, I wish I could remember the name of it though. And then uh, recently, uh, my very first Disney feature on screen credit uh, was Alice Through the Looking Glass as Humpty Dumpty. So. It's uh, you know getting to see my name on the big screen in a, at the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood. Uh, I'm sitting there with my, my agent, my friend, uh, Yulia, and we're sitting there, and I was like, I can't believe I'm seeing my name on the big screen at the El Capitan in Hollywood in a, you know, Disney movie. This is quite a long ways from doing, uh, 
radio on 1420 AM in Aberdeen, South Dakota when I was 16. So it's uh, been a pretty good life. Well, definitely. You know, and like you said, now being on the big screen too, it's kind of, you know, going from the small screen to radio and Alice Through the Looking Glass as Humpty Dumpty. I mean, that is the kind of film where, uh, you know, Disney live action films like that, they tend to get passed on, passed on, go into this uh, pantheon where everyone just continues to pass them on for generations. Are you prepared to, you know, have everybody immortalize Humpty Dumpty for years to come? Right. Well, let's hope so. I, I thought the movie was great. I liked it actually a lot better than the original one. And, of course, working with James, the director, was a was a hoot in every sense of the word. Uh, he's a terrific guy. And, I, you know, we're sitting there watching the movie in 3D. It was it was quite a ride. I had a, had a great time. And I think that as it comes out on DVD and sh- starts showing up on TV and cable, people will start, will see it and go, yeah, this this really is a pretty good movie. I don't know why I didn't go see it in the theater. So, you know, they were calling it a bomb and all this other stuff. I'm like, folks, come on, you know, really? Uh, but, you know, it's going to do well on video. It's going to do well on television. It's a great film, and I think people are going to embrace it and and kind of question what the people initially were saying about, you know, it, it not being, not quite living up to the original. Because I, I felt, like I said, I thought it was better than the original. Uh, just had more action. It was kind of more engaging to me, but, you know, maybe I'm, a little partial because I'm in it, but uh, I just thought it was uh, quite a ride. I thought it was a lot of fun. Well, you know, and I have to agree. I've, you know, I saw it in theaters, and I thought it was a lot better than the original. And I'm not just saying that because you're here on the phone. It's just, uh, you know, it was a lot better. Uh, the story was engaging. But I think it's going to go down into that Disney history, much like many of the Disney movies um, of recent years, where, you know, the box office was a little bit light, but then it gets this cult following. You know, much like Tron Legacy and all of those kind of films, even Lone Ranger has its true fan following. And I think the same thing's going to happen with Alice Through the Looking Glass. Right. Well, I, I, I hope you're right. I'm, uh, thank you for saying that. And uh, I, I believe that to be true as well. Now, you know, I guess with that too, you know, big screen, small screen, uh, doing radio, so much more. You've also been part of the anime side of things with uh, Naruto. And that is huge. I guess, what is it like being part of that kind of series where, uh, you know, I mean, it, it has a huge fan following. I mean, when you go to any Comic-Con, any Wizard World, that uh, that anime series continues to have such a thriving fan base. And well, the, the Naruto, uh, you know, not notwithstanding, uh, Bleach. I was Renji in Bleach, and he's a very well-loved character. And uh, that, that, you know, Bleach had gone on for, for seasons and seasons and seasons, and it, it finally ended. But uh, that's uh, kind of what I'm most known for, is, is Renji in Bleach. But also a, a little 26-episode uh, anime that came out called Tiger and Bunny about real life, like superheroes with actual real powers, kind of like mutants, I suppose. But they were called Nexts, meaning the next phase of evolution. Uh, people with these enhanced powers, and that that show I really, really enjoyed. And um, I think I got some kind of award from the voice actor, or some website or something for uh, for that for that role being Wild Tiger. And that was that was a fun thing. So talking about great character arcs, he, he was just all over the place as well. So I, you can check that out if you haven't seen it. It's called Tiger and Bunny. It's only 26 episodes, but it's really terrific. So yeah, the whole anime thing is uh, is puzzling to me because it's tough for me to to follow along on the story. Uh, if you're doing a you know a serialized cartoon like Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes, you can follow along because you get the scripts and it's you know one episode follows up on the previous episode and the story keeps going, but uh, anime, when you record your part because you're dubbing another language of something that previously exists in another language, 
you're only dubbing your lines, so you don't really get that overall picture of what's going on in the story. So it's a bit confusing when all you're doing are your lines, and then you're like, what? And then people will ask you certain points about the story, and I'm like, you know, I don't know. I haven't seen it, and I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know anything <laughs> about the story because I wasn't privy to that during the original recording sessions. So it's a, a little more uh, difficult than doing it like an American U.S. animated series where you get to see the scripts and you actually record everything before they start animating. But uh, unlike anime, you it's already been animated. You have to put your voice to it after the fact. So Well, definitely. you know, And like you said, it is slightly different, which is going to bring me to my next question. How different is it when you're recording a video game? You know, Because you have to record so many different single phrases, one lines, things like that, as opposed to a series. I guess, is there one that's more taxing than the other? Uh, well, video games is definitely more taxing because it's just you for four hours. Uh, you just do your lines, and then they put it all together in post-production. They'll take uh, Kevin Conroy's lines, and then they'll take my lines and um, done at separate times, and then marry them together in post-production so it sounds like we're conversing with each other. But at, in a cartoon, uh, when you're doing an animated show, you're actually there conversing with the other actors in an ensemble situation, but not, not so in a video game. So if you have, if you're booked for, say, a four-hour session for a cartoon, you know, say Garfield, you know, Frank Welker's there, Greg Berger's there, Jason Marsden's there, I'm there, and we're, you know, all kind of spending the four hours talking to each other, and, and you know, Frank has a lot of stuff to do, and then he'll sit back for a while, and then Greg and I will have something to do, and then it's kind of a give and take. If you're doing a video game, the four hours is all yours, and you're on your feet for the entire four hours because it's just you. So it's a little bit more taxing and then quite quite physical as far as all the efforts and um, uh, vocalizations that you need to do. Uh, same with uh, like Sonic Boom, the cartoon Sonic Boom. That's an ensemble situation as well. So you know we, we're we're booked for four hour sessions, uh, but you know, Roger has the majority of the stuff to do with Sonic, and then the other characters, and sometimes my characters, won't have much to do at all. Other episodes, it'll be mostly me doing these other characters. So it's just, it's a give and take. But like I said, in a video game situation, when you're booked for four hours, it's all you. You don't have anybody else to take any of the heat off. It's it's you, 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 and you got to stay fresh for those four hours, which is why I find it novel that a lot of, you know, TV actors uh, think that they can do voiceover and they come in thinking it's going to be easy and they're going to go in for half an hour in their pajamas and make a lot of money. And after four hours and their their voice is gone and because they've screamed it all out in the first half, 45 minutes, and then they're sweating and they're like, wow, this is really hard work. So, yeah, I think it's cute that TV actors think they can do this. <laughs> well, you know, and with that too, you know, because it is such a stylized career, you know, you're a true voice actor, you know, looking back at your entire career and all the different nuggets and people you've encountered, whether it's ensemble cast or just doing video games or, you know, doing things like anime, is there one project that still to this day remains like near and dear to your heart? Uh, yes, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, the four years I spent as the announcer of The Tonight Show, because I also did utility voice stuff, which, you know, meant fake promos, fake commercials, little voices here and there, newscasters, sportscasters, uh, some some singing of some songs, different things. It was really a great four and a half years with a great group of people on a great show talking about franchises. Wow, you can't do much better than, you know, The Tonight Show. That show's been on for forever. And I think I was only the seventh full-time Tonight Show announcer in the show's history. So um, that's kind of a 
a neat badge of honor that I consider quite a quite a blessing um, because there you know there's only a, literally a handful of guys in the world who can say that they've done that job. So it's pretty great. So yeah, of, of all the things. That's probably right up there toward the top. Well, you know, and with that, too, I mean, like you said, I mean, it's The Tonight Show. It's right up there. It's right towards the top. Now, with that, doing all these different promos and things, whether that's for The Tonight Show or for, you know, television, you name it, uh, when you're doing a lot of voiceover work, are there a lot of, I guess, bloopers and moments and things that never make the air, but they remain near and dear to your heart as one of the funniest things that's happened or great stories that, you know, us as uh, viewers are never going to know ever happened. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of those. Um, Many of them kind of (laughs) aren't aren't proper for a family uh, (laughs) oriented uh, show um, to to recount uh, and still maintain a G rating. But one of the (laughs) fondest memories was uh, Invader Zim when Kevin McDonald, and I were doing uh, the tallest, uh, purple and red, <laughs> and, uh, and we were talking to Zim, and uh, <laughs> uh, Kevin is uh, his character, tallest purple is uh, all he's saying is huh, 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 <laughs> but he's supposed to be eating something at the time in the in the in the action. So he said, "Well, can I really eat something to make it sound like I'm really chewing?" And they said, "Yeah, sure." So we're, it was an afternoon session, and they found this this muffin that had been left over from breakfast. They got him a muffin, and they wrapped it in a napkin so the person didn't put their fingers on it, so they could give it to Kevin, and he could eat it without their, you know, the person's finger stuff all over it. So they said, okay, roll it. So Richard Horvitz, who was Invader Zim, was in a whole other booth, and what they call it an ISO booth. He's isolated from everybody else because he was yelling and screaming so much that if he was in the same room with us, his voice would bleed onto our mic, so they had to put him in an ISO booth. But but Kevin and I, you know, we, we were relatively, you know, moderate in our in our voice projection and our modulation, so we could we could be together. He was to my right, and I'm to the left. So I'm I'm talking to Zim, and I'm like, well, let me get this straight, Zim. So you're saying that people on Earth are tall, but they're stupid? And, and uh, Kevin is eating this muffin, and he's going, what? Huh? What he's not realizing because he's so in the moment is, along with every bite of this muffin he takes, he's getting a mouthful of napkin, of paper napkin. <laughs> so there's paper napkin like in the corner of his mouth, and it's flying around, and he's huh? What? Huh? And he takes another bite and takes more napkin. So I, he he ate probably half the napkin, but I'm I'm trying to hold my laughter, and I'm looking in in the control room, and I don't see anybody in there because they've all collapsed on the floor in utter hysterics uh, because they're just laughing like even Jonan. Uh, it was so funny. And when they finally stopped the take, we all had a good laugh for several minutes afterwards. But so, but I think that's the one that you actually hear on the air, the one that you actually see in the Invaders in cartoon where he's doing that. Just know that Kevin really is eating a mouthful of paper napkin and a bran muffin as he's doing it. So what, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Well, you know, and those are the kind of moments where I'm sure you have plenty of those kind of moments and stories from over the years. But of course, you know, you're also doing a lot of other things. You know, like you said, you like to be behind the microphone, but you also, you know, like to be in front of the camera from time to time. And that's going to bring me to Wacky Wally's Vintage Toys, because I myself am a huge toy collector, a fan of vintage toys, pop culture. So this is right up my alley here. I guess what made you want to start a YouTube, uh, you know, podcast, you know, exploring these vintage toys? 
Well, it was uh, kind of an accident. There was a bunch of guys from The Tonight Show uh, who found out when we were working on the show that I had all these toys and Planet Wallywood full of collectibles and stuff, and they said, hey, can we take a tour sometime? I said, yeah, anytime. So it was kind of getting toward the end of the run of the show, right around 2014. And uh, one of the editors, Kevin Castro, came over and a couple other guys, and Kevin said, you know, uh, and I was giving the tour and I was explaining where each piece came from, what the provenance and the history of it was, and blah, blah, blah. So Kevin's like, wow, you know, you're you're so engaging and knowledgeable in this. You know, there, there's a show in this. I said, really? He's like, oh, yeah, people are crazy about toys just like you, and we could do a show, and I, I, we could probably get it on network, but we should start by, you know, getting some views on, on YouTube. And I said, well... I don't really want to do a show where it's just me talking about toys. That's kind of dopey. But you know, if we could put some gags in it and have some fun and have some special guests and some some cute girls and you know that'd be real, that then I'm interested. You know they said okay, we'll we'll spice it up a little bit with with all that other stuff. So we're kind of pushing the boundaries right now of just how much stuff we want to do with extra actors and special guests and different things and stunts and special effects and all that kind of stuff. And it, we have great graphics people, but um, you know each. Each episode now, as we're taking on biting off more and more and more, to use the Kevin McDonald analogy again, um, is we're just seeing how far we can really go with this. Well, when you do that, then that means it takes longer and longer for these episodes to finally get finished because there's a lot of post-production work. So the Batman and the Dark Shadows episodes that we just shot will be out very soon, but there's a lot of special effects and a lot of hoo-ha going on in these, so... It's taking them a little bit longer to get these things uh, finished than we had originally intended, but they're going to be really good and uh, really enjoyable, and if you think people are going to really be surprised. So, uh, yeah, I I love uh, talking about my collection and talking about all kinds of vintage toys and even toys that I'm not necessarily interested in, like, I don't know, let's say G.I. Joe or whatever. I'm not a big G.I. Joe fan, but, boy, I sure love talking about it talking about the types of plastics that were used and the different types of variations of the figures that came out. And then, you know, of course, the big 12-inch figures that were originally out when I was a kid versus the smaller uh, G.I. Joes that came out later. And then you had the, you know, Kung Fu grip and you had the, the flocked facial hair and all kinds of different stuff. So there's I just I love all that stuff. You know, Major Matt Mason, I kind of loved when I was a kid, but I don't know a lot about Major Matt Mason, but there's a lot of fans of Major Matt Mason, so (laughs) it's fun. Well, you got to love the toys, you know, and I myself, I'm a big Mego fan, so I love the Mego action figures. You know, those are just, you know, fantastic, and they're treasures of my own, I guess. With some, uh, I guess, some of the toys in your collection, is there one prized toy in your collection that is, like, the ultimate well, I do. I'm a I'm a I'm a Mego fan as well. Both the mostly the eight inch, but I also like the twelve inches as well. Uh, I think it's funny because Mego, you know, as it got into the late, mid to late seventies. Of course, Mego started I think around seventy two, but as it got into the mid to late seventies, and we we're having the energy crisis, you know, with uh, the shortage of oil and, and petroleum. They started uh, chintzing out on how they <laughs> how they made the uh, the vinyl for the figures. So the 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 petroleum base uh, for the vinyl heads weren't wasn't quite the quality it was in the early 70s because of the energy crisis. So they the figures faces started turning gray over time because the, <laughs> the the vinyl was more porous and not really high quality. So that's why you'll see some of these vintage Mego figures on the stands at the conventions 
And it's like, oh, it's Bowen, you know, Luke Duke from Dukes of Hazard. Why are their faces all gray? <laughs> so it's, it's really pretty, uh, pretty interesting, the history of that, that it was just the, the poor quality of the vinyl. But there, there is a website out there that tells you now how to get rid of the grayness in a, in a Mego vinyl head and return, you know, restore it to its original, um, luster. It's, it's flesh colored luster. So it's, it's pretty great that there are fans of this out there. But I, you know, I have probably, hmm, maybe 30 Mego figures, original Mego figures, and I've got another probably 30 of the new figures toy company, Mego-esque kind of figures. I have the Star Trek, some of the new Star Trek figures that came out. And, um, you know, add them to the, I, I like, I have the, what I call new retro. It's the figures that are newly manufactured to look retro. And then I have the real retro figures from the, from the 70s, like the Star Trek and the Planet of the Apes. But, you know, you have the, they never did a Charlton Heston, uh, Taylor figure for the Planet of the Apes line because they didn't have the likeness for Charlton Heston. Well, they, they got it later, years after Charlton Heston's death, so a company made, I think it was Mezco, they made a Charlton Heston Taylor figure, 8-inch, to go with the old Planet of the Apes figures, of the Mego figures. So finally now I have a Charlton Heston Taylor figure with Zayas, Zira, the Gorilla, <laughs> and uh, Cornelius. Which is really pretty cool. Well, you know, and with those two, you know, you can't go wrong with Planet of the Apes. I mean, it is just a fantastic franchise, and they should have had a lot more toys and a lot more collectibles for that. You know, I myself, I am a big fan of, in my collection, a 1977 Shogun Warrior Godzilla. That is my prize in my collection. Wow. Yeah, I'm trying no, to, I, yeah, that's a great one. I'm trying to think of one toy above all others that I, that I like. That's really hard to say because there's so many really great ones. I have a lot of the original vinyl head Sesame Street Muppet puppets that came out, Ernie Burt, Roosevelt Franklin. Um, those are pretty great. I, I recently purchased, uh, at great expense, a refabricated Herman Munster uh, talking doll from Mattel that came out in about 64. And uh, this guy's a genius as far as repairing these voice boxes. And it, it works, you know, pretty well. It's, you know, it's obviously it's 50 some plus years old now, but it, uh, it still works. You pull the string and it still talks. It's like, this is unbelievable. The Popeye hand puppet I really like from Mattel, the talking hand puppet. You pull the string and it talks. Yeah, there's so many toys in my collection. It's hard to pinpoint one specific one that I really love. But, you know, if you'll, if you watch the show and continue to watch the show, uh, you'll see me bringing out a lot of different stuff in my collection that uh, that I find particularly interesting. But yeah, you know, I'm not one guy that I'm not that guy that just collects all monsters or all Disney or all you know Star Wars. I, I collect a little bit of everything. Um, it's very eclectic, and um, so that that allows us to do shows about you know Dark Shadows or Pinocchio or Star Wars or Star Trek or Planet of the Apes or James Bond. So. I'm, that, that kind of appeals to my eclectic nature where it's not just every episode out of the ten that we want to do has something to do with Disney, for example. It's like, oh, well, now we're talking about Star Trek. We used to talk about Dark Shadows. Before that, it was Batman. Then it was Pinocchio. Then it was Iron Man. So that's uh, that's one of the things that Kevin, the producer of uh, Wacky Wally's Vintage Toys, really liked was that every episode was going to be completely different subject matter than the previous one. So 
Well, you know, it's the kind of thing that makes it more interesting, more fun. And, you know, we could talk toys forever as well as voice acting. But, you know, being eclectic, that's the kind of thing where it goes back into your career with all the different areas and different voices you've done and roles where it's played a part in people's lives and memories. And I guess with that, we don't want to take up too much of your time. I guess with that, though, and being part of all these different things and all these voices and all these characters that mean something to somebody and take them back to this place in time in their lives made them you know forget about what was going on in the world is there any final words you'd like to leave out there for all of your fans out there and fans of wally and all the work you've done uh well first of all uh thank you uh for all the support i really really appreciate it i i like reading all the emails and the nice letters that i get from people and it's the same kind of thing that I used to send to people when I was growing up and sending, you know, letters to Adam West and Olivia Newton-John and Henry Winkler and Paul Michael Glazer and all these people that, you know, I used to love. And, uh, you know, just, just keep the faith because uh, as time goes on, um, if you work hard and, and learn and study and really persevere, you too can someday be, you know, someday friends with the people that you grew up loving. Like, for example, I'm I'm friends now with Adam West and Paul Michael Glazer, who was Starsky and Starsky and Hutch, and I met Henry Winkler many times. And, you know, these are people that I grew up absolutely idolizing. And now, you know, when they see me, they go, hey, Wally, what's happening? So it's like, I can't believe that I'm having dinner with, you know, Adam West or Paul Michael Glazer or whoever, whatever. So it's it's really terrific. Uh, you know, Mike Connors, Mannix, I love loved that show. And I see Mike Connors from time to time. So it's uh, it's pretty great. So just just keep believing the dream, and uh, it'll it'll happen. Well, you know, fantastic. You know, well, like you said, always continue to keep the dream, keep pressing forward, keep uh, moving forward in in your life and your dreams. And you know, I'd like to thank you once again for stopping in, taking time from your schedule, speaking with all of us here, and uh, taking this trip through your career and your many voices and talents. And I'm sure we're going to be seeing a lot more of you and hearing a lot more of you in the upcoming years. So thanks, Wally, once again for stopping in. You're very welcome. Happy to do it. See you, Jonathan. The penguin and his ten goons are plotting in a back room pile. Crash, boom, bam, in leaps the Batman, making life safe again for all the Gotham citizens. He's so bitch and he's so brave, it's back to the Batcave. He's got cool and savoir faire. In his cape and cowl and his gray underwear. Who is the hero that we like best? Gotta be the Batman, gotta be Adam West. Batmobile. Commissioner's on the bat phone talking to the duo. Joker has escaped again. They've just to learn. Gotta rev it up, rev it up. Emergency bat turn. Each bad guy, he always guess. How does he stay dry? He never sweats. Which antiperspirant does he like best? Gotta ask the Batman. Gotta ask Adam West. Adam West. Mr. Spock, you can have your Superman, you can have your Ronald Reagan, you can be an Elvis fan. Sure, they heroic, sure, they astound, but they can't hold a candle to the baddest guy around. You see him at conventions, in shopping malls, meeting all his fans, he sure got 
Thus, I call the TV guide for Batman Fest. Tune in into Batman, tune in into Adam West. Adam West. Adam West. Adam West. Adam West. I'll get myself a bad suit, then I'll be looking real cute. I'll somersault all over. I'll find a woman, we'll get down I'll build my eyes, I'll pad my chest So I can look like Adam West He'll be the hero of the nation For a zillion generations He's got cool in savoir faire In his cape and collar And his gray underwear Who is the hero that we like best? Gotta be the Batman Gotta be Adam West Giant clams, he's been almost barbecued But he always gets away just when you thought he was screwed He's beaten up the Joker, the Riddler, and the others But now his greatest foes are the folks at Warner Brothers Will their big budget blockbuster be a bat bomb? Will bat fans care that Batman is also Mr. Mom? Tune in tomorrow to learn the rest Cause I'll be watching Batman, Batman starring Adam West You didn't know I was wearing my special super thermal B long underwear. Hello, this is Kevin McDonald from the Kids in the Hall. I was also Elon's bitch, which was a lot more fun than working in the Kids in the Hall, but don't tell the Kids in the Hall that. And you're listening to Disney On Demand. Thank you very much. Hey there, D-Heads. Paige here with an all-new Magical Music Review. The bell is ringing, which means school is back in session. I've been back for senior year of college for two weeks now, and my sister moved in yesterday for freshman year of college. Oh, I feel old. A lot of times, what is going on in our lives can make us remember movies that we love. Like maybe a movie that came out leap day 2000, the year I started kindergarten. We are going down the Disney Animation sequel aisle of my Disney Music Library this week for the first time, D-Heads, and dusting off the soundtrack to the 2000 film, An Extremely Goofy Movie. While the sequel to A Goofy Movie is not a musical like its predecessor, meaning the characters don't break into song this time around, there is plenty of music throughout the film. The songs were compiled together and released on the film's official soundtrack, An Extremely Goofy Movie Dance Party, alongside the film. I have our selections queued up and ready to go, so let's go pay a visit to Max and Goofy at college as we tune into the music from the Disney television animated film, An Extremely Goofy Movie. One thing that's fun about this soundtrack is the mix of so many different artists. It brings together a lot of different flavors, but the one that is constant throughout all of the selections is a fun groove that just makes you want to dance. Our first song comes from the end of the film during the credit sequence. Right Back Where We Started From, sung by Cleopatra, was written in 1975 for Maxine Nightingale. The Cleopatra cover also appeared on the soundtrack for Disney's 2008 film, College Road Trip. The song has an upbeat tempo with primary instrumentation in the piano, violins, percussion, and trumpet in the background. The instrumentation backs up the vocals very well, adding flavor and excitement to come together and create an altogether very fun number you can't help but dance around to.
soundtrack without a soft ballad. Our next selection comes from the scene when Goofy and Sylvia are out on their date and walking in the park. You Make Me Feel Like Dancing is a 1976 song by British singer Leo Sayer, covered for the film by Carmen Carter and Donnie McClurkin. The song has seen other soundtrack covers, including one by Anne Hathaway for the soundtrack of the 2004 film Ella Enchanted, and another by The Wiggles as the title cover of their DVD for the same name, with Leo Sayer guest starring. Softer in mood than our previous number, it still has that same infectious groove that makes you want to move. With more guitar and background vocals in the instrumentation, it fills the bill for a Disney ballad moment. And I'm walking like a dog hanging on a leaf. I'm in a swing, you know, shaking on a string, you know. You make me feel like dancing. You make me feel like dancing. You make me feel like dancing. I feel like dancing, dancing, dance the night away. Just hold me tight and leave on the light Cause I don't want to go home You put a spell on me right where you want me to be You make me feel like dancing You make me feel like dancing You make me feel like dancing I feel like dancing Our final song has probably become most popular with my generation thanks to this film. Featured in every trailer, it's the song that made everyone stop and say, Wow, Goofy knows how to dance! Sung by disco duo Peaches and Herbs, Shake Your Grooves Thing has made everyone get up and groove since 1978. Reaching number 5 on the US Billboard Hot 100, it also enjoyed 4 weeks on the Billboard Disco Chart. It became a gold record after 22 weeks on the American charts. In full disco flavor with percussion, guitars, violins, synthesizers, trumpets, and background claps, it is a quintessential disco number. Only fitting for Goofy and Sylvia to teach these young college students to dance and get their groove on. I think we can all agree that we've never seen Goofy so coordinated, and Max couldn't deny just how cool his dad was.
my time is up. Thanks for coming back to Disney On Demand every week. Without all of you, there is no show. If you're wondering how you can add this Disney soundtrack to your collection, an extremely goofy movie dance party can be found on Amazon. Feel free to connect with the D-Team and me on the D-Wire Facebook page or with me at page at DizRadio.com. That's P-A-I-G-E at DizRadio.com. I hope everyone has a great start back to school this week, and until next time, D-Hands, see ya! Hey, D-Heads, you're listening to Disney On Demand. Wow, it's dark in here. Wow, and now it's too bright. Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. Kari, Kari McKean. It's like Kari only with a K instead of a C and an A instead of an E and only one R and an I instead of an I. It's Disney On Demand. Well, it started out like any normal sitting gig, you know, with the reassuring of the parent and all. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. I just wish I could forget the whole thing. You will, kid. You will. All right, LVD heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show. Lots of fun things. I want to extend a very special thank you once again to the very talented Wally Winger for stopping in here, chatting with us. Lots of great stories. Your voice work continues to impress with Alice Through the Looking Glass, Flick, and so much more. Video games, Riddler, I could keep going on and on. Thank you, Wally, for stopping in, chatting with us, and of course, going to one of my favorite loves, all of those vintage toys. So thank you, Wally, for stopping in, chatting with us, and I definitely going to be looking for you on the horizon throughout the next year. I'd also like to thank the D-team of Caitlin, Nathan, Cody, and Paige all stopping in here this week with their signature segments. Without you, there would be no show. You are the ones that help keep the show going, flowing, and of course making it so nobody has to listen to just me every single week. So thank you, D-team, for stopping in here as well. And finally, thank you, the D-Heads. Without you, this show would have no magic. It'd have no spark. You are the reason we are here six years later, that we continue to bring you this show every single week with the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney. So thank you, the D-Heads, for spreading the word, embracing us, and making the show what it is. So all of you D-Heads, with that said, we have lots of fun things on the horizon here for next week. But before I jump into who's going to be stopping in and giving you those hints, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. D-I-Z Radio. Com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can also join our D-Wire Disney discussion group on Facebook as well. And you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. All you got to do is search Disney On Demand, Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, or Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, all of which are going to help you find our fun, unique quirky, magical little show. And remember, if you want to stay connected right away when the shows get released, it's really easy. All you got to do is go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and subscribe right there. Search Disney on Demand, Disney Blue, or Diz Radio, all of which are going to help you find our show. All you got to do is subscribe right there and get the latest shows on your iPod, your Android, your tablet, your iPad, you name it, to listen to as soon as they get released. You have the magic in your ears instantly. And you can do that through iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And remember, if I rambled on too fast, which I have a tendency to do, all you got to do is go to DizRadio.com, D-I-Z-Radio.com, and you can find all these links right there 
for you to find. So all of you dads, with that said, with it out of the way, I've had a lot of energy here this week. Next week, we're gonna get into a little bit of, I guess, royalty, maybe some princesses, maybe going to a land that's far away, maybe Genovia. How about somebody breaking boards, doing a little bit of martial arts, as well as having fun with a big gray bear in the Jungle Book. I'm gonna leave it at that. So all VD heads, with that said, we had lots of fun things on the horizon here this week. So as I always say, with the holiday weekend here, three day extended weekend, slow down, take time, and never neglect family for business. Make those memories, make the magic happen, and I hope you enjoy and have a fantastic weekend. Until next week, all VD heads, make the magic happen. Wow, what a way to end an adventure. Dancing, singing, good friends, and the glory of nature. Well, I guess I better get back to work. Yep, new contraptions to invent, new devices to build. Oh, what the hey? There's always tomorrow, right? I think I'll just crawl under a leaf and stay with some of my relatives here at the Animal Kingdom. Thanks for joining us. Oh, and, uh, goodbye. From the day we arrived on this planet And blinking step into the sun There's more to see than can never be seen More to do than can ever be done There's far too much to take in here More to find than can ever be found but the sun rolling high through the sapphire sky Keeps great and small on the endless round circle of Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.